All right. Good to see you guys today. Welcome. Thanks for being with us. And excited to talk to you today about how we fight our battles as people of faith. You ever been in a fight? <laughs> Remember when I was in high school, I was just sort of walking along one day, my senior year, halfway through, minding my own business. And um, all of a sudden in this common area, a fight broke out in our high school. And it was like not one person, it was like multiple people, crazy town, people just hitting each other. And so I did what every 17-year-old does when a fight breaks out. I, was, I started to gawk, you know. I sort of pulled in with everybody else like, wow, I got a fight. You know, let's check it out. I remember I'm just standing there, just innocent me, minding my own business, and I just get cold cocked. Somebody just laid me down. I just got hit so hard, I remember I hit the ground. I didn't even know what happened. And I should have just backed off at that point, but all the fight or flight instincts kick in. And I gotta tell you, when, I, when it's fight or flight for me, I start swinging at the air, y'all. I'm a fighter, right? You know, so I stood up, and before I knew it, man, I'm hitting people. I'm dragged out into the middle of this thing, and now I'm in this fight. I got no idea why it's even happening. At one point, I, got a, I can still remember, I got a guy in a headlock, and I'm banging on the top of his head. I don't know who he was. I don't know what was happening. Crazy. And then the school administrators run in, and they start breaking everything up. And I also did what you do when the school administrators show up. Let go of everybody, slip back in the crowd. I don't know what's going on there. Walk and don't turn around. It's a lot like life, though, isn't it? Sometimes you're just walking along, and then you just get hit so hard, you get knocked down, and you didn't ask for it. You don't know where it came from. You're just minding your own business, and a pandemic hits. Hello? Right, you're just minding your own business and you found out the person you're in a relationship with is cheating on you, hello? You're just minding your own business and all of a sudden they want a divorce. I heard it put this way in a song lyric this week. Somebody said, you know, I was still dancing when the music stopped. I didn't realize this was gonna end and it can just knock you flat on your face. Some of you right now, you're in a work situation. You're in an unemployment situation. You're in a moving kind of situation, and you just feel like you are knocked down on your face. You're in a battle. You're in a fight. And some of us right now are so exhausted. We've been fighting. We've been fighting for our family, fighting for our financial future, trying to figure things out, trying to move forward in the midst of this crazy economy. We've been trying to navigate all of the complexities that are coming against us, and we're exhausted and we're worn out. The mental health challenge is huge, and it's real. Some of you You've been fighting against discrimination. Some of you have been fighting against systematic inequities that exist in our world that continue to hold you down. Some of you have been fighting against how people see you and how people look at you and why you even care about how they see you and how they look at you. You've been fighting battles. I can't even imagine how exhausting that is and how tired you are of the fight. But I have good news for you today, good news for all of us today, and that is that you do not, as a person of faith, you don't fight that battle alone. As a person of faith, you don't win victory alone. God will work in you and he will work through you, and he will fight the battle for you. The battle is the Lord's. It's the Lord's battle, and he will fight for his people. Sometimes we get so worn out and exhausted because we're owning 
too much responsibility for a battle that isn't ours to fight. Sometimes we get so exhausted because we're trying to carry a burden and a weight that is bigger than we were meant to carry. we got to learn how to let God fight the battle for us and in us and through us. We've got to learn how to partner with him to fight those battles. Check it out. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15 in the Old Testament. When we get to the red word here as we read this, I'm going to ask you to just read it out real loud. It's how we make sure everybody is awake. Here we go. It says, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Now, this is for somebody today. This is why you got up out of bed and you came to church. It's why you're watching online. Listen, it's what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. They were obviously facing a mighty army. Don't be discouraged for the what? Battle. For the battle is not yours. Turn to the person next to you and say, the battle is not yours. The battle's not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God. Now, this is a word for some people today in the room. You're fighting with everything you've got. You're using all your energy, all your strength. You're carrying it. You're carrying the weight of the financial pressure on your family. You're carrying the weight of generations on your back. You're carrying all kinds of things. And God reminds us in his word that the battle is his. It's not yours to fight. It's his. you got to turn it over to him and surrender to him and walk in him and he will bring the victory. And so the battle is God's. Over the next five weeks, we're going to look at how we fight our battles as people of faith. Today, we're going to talk about prayer. Next week, the word. We're going to talk about worship, generosity, serving, gratitude, uh, remembrance, communion, all of these tools that God gives us to help us fight our battles and to help us rest in his victory. God can bring a blessing in your battle. The thing about God when you look through the Bible is God rarely takes his people out of battles. You know, you, you ever thought like, man, if I'm a person of faith, life should just be easier than it is for me right now. Like, like if I'm a person of faith, I shouldn't even have battles. My life should be like kicking it on the beach, Jacks Johnson on the playlist. Like, but it's battle after battle after battle. But then you go to the Bible and you realize God rarely takes his people out of the battle. But what he does do is in the battle, he gives his presence and his purpose and he brings his victory to, for his glory and he, he, he works in the battle. So just because you're in a battle right now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. It doesn't mean that all it means is you're human. You're right where God wants you to be. He rarely takes his people out of the battle but he can bring the victory in the battle. He can bring a blessing in the battle. And so when it comes to prayer, when you pray, God makes a way. When you pray, God makes a way. And here's what I mean. He'll make a way in your situation. That's what some of you are praying for right now. God, help me provide for my family. Help me find a job. Help me move forward. Help me get the bills paid. Help me deal with relationships. God, you know, help me find a guy that's not a jerk. God, I need you to move in this situation. God, help my kids. Help me survive parenting. Hello. I need a miracle here. That, that God can move in your, but listen, if he doesn't make a way in your situation, he can make a way in your heart. And sometimes that's what he does. 
And your circumstance doesn't change, but you change. And how you view that circumstance changes. And how you walk in the situation with grace changes. Either way, you win. So when you pray, God makes a way. How do we fight our battles with prayer? My first thought is this. Unlock your unfair advantage. Unlock your unfair advantage. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's not fair. It's not fair. How many thousands of times have you heard that or said that in your life? Little kids roll in, and my kids are little. They're like, oh, man, Ethan, you know, he got more chocolate than me. It's not fair. Right? Or, or the neighbor kid, they got a dog, and, and we only have one dog, but we should have two. They have two dogs. It's not fair. Or, you know, at school, the kids, they're never limited on technology, but you try to limit us on technology at a certain time at night. It's not fair fair and on and on and on. I remember once um, I was speaking at this Christian conference and uh, after it was over, I was supposed to go to this booth area and I would sit there and I would sign books and, and uh, interact with people. It's like an author's booth. And the problem was like worship was led at this Christian conference by one of the most popular worship bands in the world. And so they were there as well. And when it was over, our booths were right next to each other. There's like my booth and this big Christian. And so they already had like 150 people lined up at their booth, right? Because, you know, they're, they're awesome. And, you know, who was at my booth? Nobody. And I remember I came around the corner and I look all the way down at my booth and I'm like, oh. That's not fair. God, man, come on. You can't put me next to a bunch of rock star dudes. That's not fair. And it's kind of embarrassing. There's nobody, there's nobody at my table, like, like zero, nobody, like not even, I don't know, some random person, not even a kid, four years old, nothing. So I go sit at my little table alone. And the line gets bigger and bigger and bigger for the worship band. And now it's like four across and, and I, it was hundreds of people. They were like wrapped around the thing and there's nobody in my, and all of these people would, would look out of their line to see how far till they got to meet the people that they were there to meet. And when they stuck their head out of the line, they would just see me alone. And I remember like just hoping somebody would come to our booth. Lori actually came over to my booth, so I had my wife there to commiserate with me. And she reminded me last night that one person did come to our booth, and they walked up and they're like, hi, Judd, how are you doing? And they looked up and they said, Lori, I'm really here to see you. We just love you so much, and you know, we think you're so amazing. And wasn't fair, y'all. So I started to pray in that moment, not out loud, just in my heart, in my mind. I, I think my prayer started by something like, God, this is, this is just embarrassing. Help, help a brother out. Just bring somebody. I don't even, this is ridiculous. And in the midst of that prayer time, I, I, I just sensed God laying something on my heart for me. Not, not audibly, just my heart. It was something like this. Hey, Judd, this is a time to remind you that life is not about you. It's about me and my name and my fame. And you know what, Judd? I didn't call you to be a celebrity. I called you to be a servant. That's who you are. And so get real comfortable. Settle in, son. This ain't about you. 
In fact, you're supposed to serve, and I just sensed on my heart right now I was supposed to get up and start serving this other group whose booth had a million people at it because nobody was coming by my booth anyway. And so I did. And I remember in that moment, what seemed so unfair became an unfair advantage. Listen, God didn't change my situation, but he changed my heart. And in changing my heart, I started to serve people at these other people's booth. And I got to know them. To this day, we become friends. And I laughed, and I got to help them. And by the end, I walked away, and I was smiling. I wasn't worried anymore about the fact that nobody loves me. I was over it because Jesus Christ loves me and God loves me and I'm here to love other people. And I know that's not true. A lot of people love me. A lot of people love you. But you know what I mean. I'm joking. I, had to, I, I realized in that moment of prayer that God unlocked in me my unfair advantage. Prayer unlocks your unfair advantage. You have an advantage because you have the God of the universe who is all powerful, almighty, all knowing, in control, not limited by all the things that are limited, but that we're limited by in our lives, who's in your back, who's got your back, who's in your corner. That's who God is. And so prayer is your unfair. Life isn't fair to your favor. Life isn't fair to your blessing as a child of God. Life isn't fair. No, it's not fair. And you actually benefit because you have an unfair advantage in who your heavenly father is. Here's a great example. Exodus chapter 17, Moses has led the Israelites after hundreds of years of slavery. They're headed towards the promised land. They're in the wilderness area and they get attacked by this group of people called the Amalekites. It's like they just get hit. They go down. It's crazy. And so Moses gets his best leader Joshua and he says get the army together now they're not like trained military people these guys for generations have lived in slavery they're not like a, a formed militia with years and years of training they, they don't really know what they're doing right but Joshua goes out and starts leading the army and they, they've got to defend themselves against the Amalekites and so they're out there fighting and here's what happens Moses goes up on the hill while Joshua is down in the valley fighting and this is what we see Moses took this staff called the staff of the Lord. It represented God's calling in his life. And he holds it up while they're in the battle. It says this, as long as Moses held up his staff in, in, in his hand, the Israelites had the what? Advantage. You see that? They had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. So Moses is like watching it. He would hold the staff up. That staff was representing the fact that God was bringing the victory, that God was the one they needed, that God was moving. Prayer acknowledges that in our lives in a similar way. Turn to the person next to you and say, you got an advantage. You have an advantage. And prayer is how you lean into that advantage. Listen, a study showed that half of people say they pray daily, half of people. Another 25% say they pray weekly or monthly, but then 25% say they don't hardly ever pray at all. And what was interesting is as you go younger demographically, more people say they don't pray at all or hardly none. In fact, uh, about a third of people under age 30 say prayer is simply not a part of their life. And so for those of you that are younger, you're trending younger, some of you think prayer is kind of weird or it's just scary. You're not even sure what to do with it. Anne Lamott, a writer, talks about, um, she wrote this book called Help Thinks Wow. 
on prayer. And she talks about how when she was seven years old, she was raised by a, a, a non-religious family and had gone over to a friend's house. And, and at night, an adult came in and prayed before they went to bed. This was the prayer they prayed. Um, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, and she said at seven, she remembered thinking like, wait, what? I could die? <laughs> you know, she never prayed. She didn't know anything about this. And there was a prayer saying, if I, should, if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. She's thinking, God, you leave this soul right here in this 50-pound body. Don't even think about it. I don't want to die. I don't want to lose my soul. Prayer can seem scary. In Luke 5, Jesus' disciples, they say, hey, teach us to pray. So if you're here and, and you're, you know, prayer seems a little freaky, if, if it's not an active part of your life, I want to encourage you, first of all, consider First Step. It's a seminar that we offer periodically here at Central. We have one coming up next week on Saturday from noon to four right here in this very room. And one of the things that happens in First Step is we will help teach you how to pray. We'll help you learn how to pray and grow in that skill in your life. So you can register for free. It doesn't cost anything. Just go to central.family. Just click first step on the little link you'll see there. And then it says sign up here. You click that and it will give you a list of locations. You can attend online or uh, if you're, you're currently at the Henderson location, just click Henderson location. You can get registered all signed up and just show up next Saturday from noon to four. We'll, in, a, in, a, in the midst of a lot of things, we will also talk and help you learn how to pray. Prayer is just communicating with the God who loves you. You don't have to have all the right words when it comes to prayer. There's no special formula that you need to say beforehand. People think, you know, what, you know if I say a prayer and I don't say the right thing, it's like it doesn't launch, like failure to launch. It's like your prayer goes, thud, you know. But it's not like there's a magic formula. You don't even have to pray out loud. God knows your heart. He knows what's going on in your mind. And uh, you, can, you can pray silently. You know, sometimes I'll go for a walk and I'll just pray. And I'm not necessarily moving my lips because I don't want people to think that I've got major issues going on. Right? But, but I'm praying. I'm consciously just praying and God, God knows my heart. So um, prayer is just communicating with God. And you can do it authentically in your own way. And God desires for us to pray to him. If you have no idea where to start with prayer, uh, Anne Lamott gives just a simple little formula. Help, thanks, and wow. Help, thanks, and wow. Here's how I break it down. First of all, help. Help is just asking God for help. And you can ask God for help with anything in your life. Um, I think one of the most powerful things when it comes to prayer is having a set time where you do it. We're supposed to pray continually throughout the day, but it's also okay to have a set time. So for, and, and it could just be a few minutes, but for me, <laughs> this is what I do. Every single day, my day starts the same. I get up at six o'clock, I'm a crazy morning person, and uh, I make coffee, and usually by 6.30, I, I sit down, I open up my phone, I have the Bible app on my phone, absolutely free, you can go download it, it's a great tool. I've got devotional resources on there, Lori does, literally, Tens of thousands of Christian leaders, um, all backgrounds and perspectives have devotional content on there. There's Bible reading plans, all kinds of things, multiple translations, anything you'd ever want. It'll even do the audio Bible to you. Like I was working out a couple weeks ago, just listening to the Old Testament book of First uh, and Second Samuel. It was amazing, but just play it in the background. It's all free. It's all there. It's all easy, the Bible app. I get the Bible app, open it up. What I do is 
I go through the book of Psalms again and again and again, and I just take, the Psalms is like the prayer and the praise book of the Old Testament. I take one Psalm a day, I read it through, and I just pray, like I read a sentence or two or three, and I'll stop and pray about whatever it inspires me to pray about or reminds me to pray about. I'll read a few more sentences, and I'll stop and pray about that. Most of the Psalms I do that with. Some Psalms are a little weird, frankly, and I'll be like, uh, next Psalm. You know, I wanna have a good prayer time, and that one isn't it, you know, like, but for the most part, that's what I do. I just go through the Psalms and then I just start over. It doesn't matter what you do, just do something, right? Uh, get you in God's word and get you praying. So this last week, I was, a couple days ago, I was at Psalm 130. I stopped at verse five. Just struck me the way the psalmist said this in the New Living Translation. He said, uh, I'm, I'm, um, he says, I'm counting on you, God. Yes, I'm counting on you. Which felt like almost a fresh way to think about faith. Instead of I'm trusting you, God, I'm, I'm counting on you. I'm depending on you. And I remember I just stopped right there. And I just had a, I just, God, look, I'm counting on you. There's some things that I'm counting, I'm depending on you for. I'm counting on you to keep my marriage strong. I'm counting on you to take care of my wife and family. I'm counting on you for my kids to grow and develop. I'm counting on you to help me become a better father and a, and a better leader. I'm counting on you to help my kids one day get a job. I ain't joking, that's my, I'm praying that, that's for real. I'm, I'm counting on you, God, I'm counting, I'm depending on you. I'm counting on you to show up financially. I'm counting on you to take care of Central. Every day I pray for my family. I start with my wife, my kids. Uh, I pray for my extended family. I pray for you. Every day I pray for the Central family. And a couple days ago in that verse, I just got, I'm counting on you to move in our church. I'm counting on you to protect our church. Keep us holy, keep us humble. Use us, make us servants. Use us for your glory and your name and your faith. God, in all the things that we can't see, protect us. In all the threats that we're not even aware of, protect us. God, lead us, show us where to go. I'm counting on you because if you don't show up and if you don't move, it's not gonna happen. I'm counting on you. You gotta fight the battle. What am I doing? I'm just asking for help. And you can ask for help every day. You should ask for help because God has all the power in the universe and it's your unfair advantage as a person of faith to come to God and ask for help. Why not? Second thing is thanks. Just to say, God, thank you. Thank you for all you've done in my life. Thanks for what you did yesterday, what you'll do tomorrow. God, I thank you for the way you've moved, the way you've worked. I thank you for my kids, my family, my friendships, for the gift of laughter. God, I thank you that I'm alive. I thank you that I woke up. Thankfulness and gratitude. We're gonna have a whole week where we talk about that as a way we fight our battles. It's huge. But giving thanks is a simple way to pray in our lives. Help, thanks, and then wow. Just moments where Maybe we stop after a great meal, like, you know, amazing meal, nachos. Wow. God, thank you for all the good things that you provide. A sunset, God, wow, thank you. The mountains, snow on the mountains, God, wow, thank you. You know, interaction with the loved one, God, wow. A good night's sleep, and the older you get, the more important that is. You're like, wow, I slept last night, amazing. Huh. Doing the happy dance, Little, it's the, the things that you used to think just happened every night. No, 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 wait, just wait, people. Wow, we thank you, God, for everything. Help, 
Thanks, wow. Simple way to pray. It's your unfair advantage. Here's another thought, and that is to not only leverage that advantage for yourself, but lift each other up. Lift each other up. A few years ago, Lori was speaking, as she often does here at Central, on Mother's Day weekend. And right before she came up to the church to prepare to speak that weekend, she, she walked in and she had this dress on. And it was a maxi dress. It was a black dress that kind of went, you know, from shoulder down to her ankles. It was a beautiful dress. She looked very slim in it. It was um, black and white and kind of black. It was black, but like with these white splotches. And so she walked in and she said, how do I look in this dress? Which, by the way, is not a question. Come on, guys. This is not a question seeking an answer. And without thinking, even after over 20 years of marriage, I just, I have no filter, y'all. And I just, what you see really is what you get. And I just looked up and said, you look like a whale. Yes, I really did. And as soon as I said it, I thought, you are an idiot, man. You are the stupidest man on this planet. There is no hole deep enough that you could go bury yourself in. I remember standing there and I was just like, I mean, that, you know, that came out wrong. Like, like what I meant to say was, you know, you're beautiful and you're thin and your dress is just like flowing and it's black with these white splotches, which remind me of SeaWorld like a whale. And Lori came up and she, she put her hand up because she's known me all these years and she just says, you need to stop now. Like she's willing to show me grace, but if I keep going, we might cross that line, you know? So I apologize. But the bottom line is I need help, a lot of help, often, many times. We all need help from things that we've said, things that we've done, things that we regret. And here's the thing when it comes to prayer. When you lift someone up in prayer, God holds them up in battle. You lift someone up in prayer, God holds them up in their battle. Moses is an example of this. In Exodus 17, he holds up the staff as a sign of surrender and, and prayer to God. And God moves and works and they start winning the battle. He lowers the staff, they start losing the battle. So he starts holding the staff up, but the problem is his arms wear out. He's tired, he's exhausted. He can't do it anymore in his own strength and power. And so Aaron and her, two of his buddies come along and they realize that his arms are literally giving out. They're collapsing. And so they find a place for him to sit, and then one goes on one side of him, one goes on the other side of him, and they hold his arms up in the air. And here's what we read in Exodus chapter 17, beginning in verse 12. It says, then they stood on each side of Moses, what? Holding up his hands. See, that's what we can do for one another when we pray. We hold up each other's hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. So they won the battle. They achieved the victory. And they achieved it through the power and presence of God. They achieved it through dependence on God. Just like we achieve it through prayer and leaning on God. But Moses couldn't do it on his own. He needed others to come alongside and lift up his hands. 
That's why we pray for each other every week here at Central. It's why we always have a time where we stop and pray for each other. Even people you may not know, we're acknowledging that we're all just human beings and sometimes we can't hold our own hands up anymore. Sometimes we're, we've lost the strength, we've, we're numb and we just need people to pray for us like lifting up our hands in the battle. That's why we have a 24-7 church line that you can call. People call it from all over the world now, it's crazy. And we pray for people and we try to encourage people and walk with people because we believe there is power in prayer and God will help us fight our battles. God moves and works, but he often does it in the Bible in response to prayer. I mean, think about it. Somebody prayed and a wound was healed. Was it the prayer that healed them? Or was it their faith that healed them? Or was it just God sort of working independently? And the answer is yes, right? You know, it was God working through prayer, responding to faith in this mysterious way. We don't know where prayer ends and where God's work begins because prayer is an integral part of God's work. He could do it all on his own, but he wants us to participate in the miracle. And when we pray for one another, that's what we do. A couple weeks ago, I got a call that somebody I'd known around the church for years and years was in the hospital. And uh, 13 years ago, we had prayed that this individual would get a transplant that she desperately needed, and uh, we prayed every week for that. And by the grace of God, she got the transplant, and, and it, it got her 13 more years of life. She was young. And so I got the call that she was in the hospital from her daughter and that it wasn't looking good, and the doctors had basically said, they were going to unplug her from the machines that she was on um, that night and that she would be going home. We needed to say our goodbyes. And she said, before my mom sort of lost consciousness, she asked for you. So I jumped in the car and went up there. It was actually the first hospital I was allowed to go in since COVID. And uh, I was allowed to go in the room. And we gathered around her and I was emotional, her family bawling their eyes out, emotional, all of them like in their or maybe early 20s. And I remember just being in a circle with them and trying to encourage them, trying to bring some hope. Um, and at the same time, based on everything the doctor had told us, I was encouraging them to, to say their goodbyes and, and let their mom go. She had had a beautiful life. She had fought far hard for every day over the last 13 years. And it was, it was time to release her and let her go. So, so we didn't even pray that God would heal her in that moment except the healing that comes from her being taken home. It was emotional. When we were done, they had funeral services planned in another state. And so I said goodbye. I said goodbye to her. And I was pretty shook up driving back home. Benefit of being a pastor in one place for a very long time, and I've been here forever, is you get to journey with people over a lot of years. And you remember the ups and downs and the relationships and the, the backs and forths. And I'd certainly had some of those years with this family. And so... Driving away, I was emotional. And I just assumed that that night she passed on from this earth and went to the hands of her heavenly father. We had committed her to him. So you can imagine how surprised I was this week 
when I got a message from her that she had called me. And I remember it was in an email like, hey, this person called you. And I'm like, no, she's dead. Like we sent her on. She went on to Jesus. But there was a number there to call her back. And so I called her back and she answered the phone. Just as plain as day, I recognized her voice. Hello? And I was laughing, and because we'd known each other, I said, girl, you were dead. We sent you on to Jesus. Like, we cried and said the prayer, and we said goodbye. How am I talking to you on the phone right now? And she said, that's so funny, I don't remember any of that. I said, well, you were out of it. She said, I don't know, I just rebounded. And I guess my time had not yet come. My organs were all shutting down, but they've started again. And she said, it looks like I'll be able to go home in a couple days. She's still got to get another transplant. It's going to be a long journey for her. But she said, all I know to say is that today God wasn't finished with me. There was more for God that God had for me to do. Now, let me just say, those of you that are like, I'm getting Judd to come pray for so-and-so. Most of the people I pray for in that situation go on to be with God. I don't even think there had anything to do with our prayer. We didn't even pray for her to be healed. We prayed for her to go on home. But God had another purpose. But here's what I'll tell you. We got to be a part of the miracle because we prayed. We got to be a part of what God did in that moment. And we get to own a little bit of that in that moment. And that's what happens when we pray. Listen, when you pray, God makes a way. Somebody prayed and a need was met. Somebody prayed and a relationship was restored. Somebody prayed and a, a resource was released. Somebody prayed and a door was opened. Somebody prayed and a heart was changed. <laughs> Somebody prayed and a family was reunited. Somebody prayed and, and uh, prayer, that prayer gave strength and renewal to somebody. Somebody prayed and an obstacle was overcome. Somebody prayed and a victim became a victor. Somebody prayed and the lost are found and the wounded are comforted and the darkness is lifted and those without direction find direction and those who are confused find enlightenment. The anxious find comfort. The crushed are lifted up. The spiritually dead are raised to new life. Because somebody prayed. God could do it on his own. But he allows us to be a part of the miracle. When you pray, God makes a way. I know in my own life, when I was a kid, I went through about four years of drug addiction and about put my dad in the grave. And he was part of a church community. He would go into this little Bible study group every week and they would start the group by just saying, does anybody have any prayer requests? And my dad just about every week would say the same thing. He'd say, pray, pray for my son, Judd. He's, he's lost. Just pray for him. And so for years, this group of people, they prayed for me on a weekly, some of them on a daily basis. Not because they really knew me, but over time they figured out kind of who I was, but because they loved my dad. And they lifted his arms in prayer. 
Because every parent knows as much as you love your kids, there comes a point and a time where you can only influence them, but you can't change them. You can do everything you can do, but you got to surrender them. And you got to turn them over to God. And so that's what they did. They prayed for me again and again. And eventually God got a hold of my heart when I was halfway through my senior year of high school. God, by his grace, moved in my life and I began to follow Jesus and show up at church and I made a spiritual commitment and I think my parents were just in shock. And I remember walking around the church after that because now I was getting involved and getting plugged in and there were these people that would see me and they were all part of my parents' little Bible study group. And when they would see me, they would get a stupid grin on their face. I didn't know these people, but they knew me. I'm just a broken kid walking down the hall and they'd see me and they'd be like, <laughs> just the stupidest grins on their faces. I'm like, what, man? You know what happened? They were part of that life change. They had prayed for me for years. And now God, the hound of heaven, had chased me down. And now they sat back and they're like, we were part of that. Ha! Look at what God did. Look at what God did. One guy named Mickey. Shortly after, he came up to me and he was a friend of my dad's. I didn't really know him. But he taught a little group of like sixth graders on Sunday morning. And he said, Judd, man, I'm, I'm really in over my head. And I can't handle all these sixth graders. I need help. He didn't really need help, but he was setting me up. He said, can you, can you help me teach these sixth graders? And uh, I didn't know what to say. I'm like, okay, I'll bail you out. So I show up, and then Mickey, who pretty much knew the Bible very well, He'd say, I really need help next week on the, on the Bible teaching part of it. <laughs> Could you work up a lesson? Here's a little workbook. Just do everything. You know, it's all kind of laid out here for you, but you go do the work and come back and you teach next week. And I came back and mumbled through something. He's like, oh, that was, that was really good, which it wasn't really good. He goes, yeah, you, you, you need to do the next week. And then he'd send me on. And pretty soon, he totally set me up, y'all. He had me teaching in the Bible every week. And he's just sitting in the back. I never forgot that. Every time I go back home and see Mickey and his wife, Judy, we just see around the church, he put his arm around me and he'd say, I'm so proud of you, kid. He said, I'm proud of you. What the Lord did in you. We prayed for you every day. See, they were a part of the miracle. This past year, we got word that Mickey and Judy both got COVID. Both in their old age were very susceptible. And they were hospitalized. And they both passed away within 24 hours of each other. Which on the one hand is awful. And then on the other hand, just me, I think, if I'd been married over 60 years and lived that long in life, it's kind of a blessing if Lori and I could go out at a similar amount of time, as long as she doesn't go first. What I want you to know is I'm only here 
because of the grace of God and the prayers of people you've never met. You're only here because of the grace of God and the prayers of people. Some of you, whom you know, some of those prayers you know about, some of them you don't even know. I know for a fact people that have passed from this life who have been a part of this church since 1960s and 1970s who prayed every day for the people who would one day sit in the very seats you're sitting in now, who gave financially and sacrificially with prayer and sacrifice, blood, sweat, tears for you. They didn't know you. They don't know your name, but you owe them a debt. They prayed for you. They paved a way for you. It's God's grace. It's the prayers of his people. And let me say a word to you. Maybe you're just growing in prayer. Maybe you're in that 30 and under crowd that, that, that more and more aren't really sure what to do with prayer. It's your turn now. The mantle's being passed to you. Now you have to step up and begin to hold up the hands of others. Now you got to start adulting. Come on, somebody. And start praying for people around you who are hurting and struggling. And start growing into that and you'll find, look, it's not a have to, it's a get to. It's your unfair advantage. And when you do it and God does a miracle in their life, you get the stupid smile. Because you were part of that. You get the stupid smile because you prayed for them and look what God did. They don't have to know that. They don't have to know I prayed for them, but God knows I got to be a part of that. I lifted their hands. See, God doesn't stop fighting just because you stop praying. You're going to pray for some people now that you'll forget about. Years ago, I prayed for a friend of mine. I prayed that he would come to faith. I, pray, I remember writing it in my little journal. I prayed for him every, every single night. Totally lost track. And I don't know, 17 years later, 15 years later, whatever it was, over a decade, I got a letter, handwritten letter. You don't see a lot of those. And I opened it up, and it was from this friend of mine. I forgot about him. I mean, I forgot about him. But I opened the letter, and I'm like, oh, I prayed for this guy all the time back then. He goes, Judd, I was in a county jail in Texas. <laughs> got to love a letter that starts that way. And I went to the library, and I saw your last name on a book. And I pulled this book down. I started reading it. And you talked about kind of your addiction years and your bedroom. He goes, I partied with you in that bedroom. I said, yeah. Hmm? And he said, I want you to know, I, I read through that book. I've been working with the chaplain. I've been talking to people here. And I wanted to write you and tell you I've become a follower of Jesus. I prayed for this guy every day years before and sometimes we never know the outcome but God allowed me to be in on his work and his victory and I remember just sitting there saying thank you God thank you that I got to be a part of that lift each other up in prayer listen God's fighting 
He's fighting for his glory. He's fighting for his fame. He's fighting for his name. He's fighting for his plans and for his purpose. And that means when you follow him, when you align with him, when you pray and you seek his will and his help, he's fighting for you. God's fighting for your family. He's fighting for your future. He's fighting for your security. God is fighting for your character and for your peace. He's fighting for your influence. He's fighting for your contentment. He's fighting to repair your past. He's fighting to renew your relationship. He's fighting to give you wisdom. God's fighting wherever you're facing. And he's fighting even when you feel like you've lost. And he's fighting even when you're emotionally numb and you're not sure how to move forward. God's fighting for you. Why? Because the battle is his. It's not yours. It's his battle. So for some of you, my challenge this week is when the stress builds and the anxiety builds, which are some of you will be before you even get out of the parking lot. Hello. Just open your hand and say, the battle's yours, Lord. Battle's yours. I surrender. I pray for your help. I give you thanks. I say wow when you move. But the battle's yours. Maybe for some of you, you've, you've known about prayer. You used to pray regularly, but you don't have a structured kind of time of prayer in your life. It's real haphazard, and you maybe go days without praying at all. I want to encourage you to just lean in. It, you don't have to do this. God will love you, and you're a follower of Jesus, and you're saved, and your eternity secure. You don't have to pray, but you're missing an unfair advantage when you don't pray. You're missing your opportunity to grow in your faith and see God move and work and be a part of what he's doing in your life. For some of you, maybe a simple step is just to jump into first step. This next Saturday, 12 to 4, get some basic tools and learn how to pray for yourself. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never really crossed that line of faith. And I want you to know that God loves you and I believe he's calling you to come home to him. So I want to ask you, would all of you bow your heads and close your eyes? And if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, you can begin that journey by just repeating a simple prayer after me to say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you in Christ's name. Friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, would you just slip your hand in the air and make eye contact with me just to say before God and to say to me, you're going to follow him in your life today. God bless you guys. Thank you. Just reach out to him today. God, I thank you for each person reaching out to you. We pray you comfort them and fill their life with meaning and hope and joy, surprise, blessing. We thank you for every opportunity that you give us 
And we pray that you'll move in our life and make a way as we follow you in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's put our hands together for those who made spiritual commitments in their life. If you made a spiritual commitment, um, we'd love to put a resource in your hands just called How to Follow Jesus. Just go to central.family, click I've Decided to Follow Jesus. We'll get you this free resource. It'll help you learn how to pray, read your Bible, take some basic spiritual steps. It'll be really important for you in the days ahead. Well, hey, let's put our hands together for Pastor Nick, who's going to come now and close out our experience. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Judd, for that incredible message. And listen, if you decided to follow Jesus, go ahead and head over to central.family and click on that link that said, I decided to follow Jesus. And then you'll get that how to follow Jesus guide. Also, make sure you get all the information, first steps, Financial Peace University, and Refresh that's happening April 17th. Just head over to central.family. Now remember, Romans 8 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Keep showing up.